Jesus has come to make all things new. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, good to see everybody, and it's great to be together uh, in God's house, and uh, great to start the new year as this is our first Sunday of the year. And I want to kind of set us up for the year uh, in, in a little bit different way, in, in something that I usually do, but I'm not really public necessarily about it, and that is, that is this, that I want to give you a little bit of what our theme spiritually for the year is going to look like as a church. And to where I feel the Lord is, is calling us to go in the direction that we need to look at. And it's really this, this simple idea that I, I talked about last year very quickly, but, it, but it's something that's resonated and something that I think needs to resonate for us to continue to grow and to move forward. And that is to be the branch. This idea of being the branch, this, uh, that 2024, it's really going to be, spoiler alert, a continued focus on discipleship and growing to be more like Jesus. But we're going to add some other aspects to that that I feel like we need to add, and specifically in the, in the area of serving. That as we, be, as we continue to be the branch that Jesus is calling us to be, John 15, 1 through 12, I, I would encourage you to read that, um, and you're going to hear that a lot in 2024, um, where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches, and how he is the vine and that we are the branches that, that he uses to reach out to the world and to connect to the world. But if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not connected to the vine, we're not really gonna be able to produce fruit and to make an impact in the world around us. And Jesus is gonna produce that. And all that we're hoping for him to do through the church, I think really comes back to this idea of us being willing and being honest about what it's gonna take for us to be the branch here in our area and in just the world that the Lord's planted us in. So I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. I'm, I'm excited for what the Lord's gonna do uh, moving forward into 2024, and I hope you are too, so buckle up. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much that you call us for more. You call us to, to reach out and to be the branch. Lord, but we've gotta stay connected to the vine. We've gotta stay connected to you so that the fruit that is produced, Lord, is something um, that's going to make an impact for your kingdom in this world. And so, Jesus, you're choosing to use us to do that. And, Father, I pray that as we look at your word, as we look at what you have for us, if we look, as we look individually, I hope, as, as to what that means for us to be the branch in the world in which we live, Lord, we may, we may need to put some things down to do that. And so I pray that your spirit would move through this place and that you'd, uh, you would help us to see what it is that, that you want us to maybe put down as we move forward into 2024. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I challenged us to say that in 2024, we are going to simply look at the idea of what it means to be more obedient. For us to be more obedient, as opposed to putting more things on ourselves, but to look at the idea of obedience and that obedience is our responsibility and that the results are his. So what does obedience look like for you? And, and you're like, well, that sounds like you're putting more on me, Jay. That sounds like you're asking me to do more, and I could certainly use more things on my list. Thank you, Jay, for adding to my list, right? That might be true for some of us. We might feel that way for some of us, and that might actually be what needs to happen for you, is there may be a few things you need to add that, that aren't there. But I would actually suggest that obedience for a lot of us, for a vast majority of us, might actually look quite the opposite. 
Most New Year's resolutions that people quit on are quit on because of a lack of motivation. That, that's really a big part of it, meaning it's one more thing that I've got to do to accomplish this New Year's resolution, and ain't nobody got time for that, right? I'm not adding to that. It's not really that important to me, or I would be motivated to do it. If it was really that important, you would have the motivation to do whatever that thing is for longer than, you know, six and a half days before you decide, like, ah, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm okay, right? So instead of adding something new to an already busy schedule, we should actually start the new year, I'm going to suggest, with a strategic plan to begin to remove the old. Removing the old, removing the destructive habits, removing the old mindsets that are preventing us from stepping into all that God has for us in this upcoming year. To remove the things that are keeping us from being the branch. The next two weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of out with the old. Out with the old. And while New Year's is typically about adding new things, new goals, new habits, new routines, whatever, for the next two weeks, I want to challenge you to actually let go. I want to challenge you to look at the idea of letting go, to let go of things that, that are weighing us down, to let go of the regrets that are holding us back, to let go of the destructive mindsets that are grounded in lies instead of God's truth. And when we're committed to letting go of those things that are holding us back from, from making maybe the dreams that God has for you and for, and for me a reality, we are actually going to become more, more motivated to see those new changes and to see them stick. So what do you need to let go of to let your dreams flourish? What are the things that you need to let go of? What might you be holding on to so tightly and you haven't been willing to be honest about the fact that that needs to be let go? It can be scary to let go of the things that God asks us to let go of because we can really hold tight to the familiar, can't we? Even if we know it's not the best for us in the long run, we, we, wanna, we wanna hold tight to it. Rather than embracing a change maybe that, that's required and, and, and that we need to step out on faith to do and to trust God more, we instead gravitate toward remaining in our comfort zone because we like our comfort zone. It's comfy. That's why it's called a comfort zone. So what are you holding on to that maybe God's asking you to let go of? Ask yourself that question here as we, as we look at God's word. We're going to be in Mark, the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus is questioned um, about something. Where some people, their intent is really to call him out on, on something. And his response is really different and really interesting. So we're going to be starting in verse 18, uh, and here's what it says. Mark chapter 2, verse 18 says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. By John and John the Baptist, he had his own group of disciples, whether you realize that or not. Um, but uh, it says, John's disciples and the Pharisees, they were fasting. And people came and asked him, him meaning Jesus, why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast. How come you do church wrong? That's kind of what they're saying. It's a legit question for the time and the culture it is, if it's coming from the right motivation, which it's not. Pharisees, they, they fasted twice a week. 
John the Baptist's disciples, they were as well. And so, Jesus, why not you and why not yours? What's the deal? Aren't you, you know, why, why aren't you doing it like us? Everybody's doing it, right? Now, Jesus is all about fasting. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't a pushback on the practice of fasting. Not at all. He was all about fasting. You can find it throughout the scriptures. We should be too. But everything in balance, of course, is what he's talking about here. And everything in, in, in its place for the right purpose and the right motivation. And this question was not coming from a place of the right motivation. It wasn't about any of that. And that's why Jesus answers the way in which he does, which we'll look at here in just a second. But I think it's worth noting for a minute that the disciples of John the Baptist in this moment, they were actually identifying more with the Pharisees than they were with Jesus, in, especially in the way that they were asking these questions, because they were kind of saying, this is how we've always done it. Because it was very true in that day that fasting is an important part of Judaism. You've got to remember, in, in, in Judaism, everything is connected to everything all the time. We, we have things that are separated in our culture a little bit, and I think a little more often we need church culture to spill into our regular life, but unfortunately we, we put up a wall um, on some aspects of it, and we'll talk about that here in just a few. But in the, in the Jewish culture, everything had to do with everything, and every, every bit of religion was wrapped into every bit of everything. And so fasting was, was still and is still important in Judaism. In fact, people fast each year on the Day of Atonement. In Leviticus 23, it talks about that. But during the time of Jesus, it was common practice for Jews to fast twice a week, two days a week, usually on Mondays and Thursdays. And it was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., after which you could eat food. Um, and so Jesus and his disciples we're not fasting on this day. So we got to assume that this question was being asked on a Monday or a Thursday and they weren't fasting in this moment. And so they were being asked why. And so that's why I'm saying like, this is an understandable question to a degree because John's disciples, they weren't awful people necessarily. It's not like they didn't have any integrity. They were just doing what was culturally expected at the time, right? It's the whole everybody's doing it thing. It's like if you run into somebody who doesn't use a debit card and you're like, how do you exist? right? You pay for things with gold bullion? Like, what are you doing? You know, I don't understand. Some people that are like cash only, God bless you. I don't, I'm, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I had cash, right? It's like you, you run into somebody like that and you're like, I guess you're off the grid. Props to you, man. But like, how do you exist? It's that kind of thing, right? That they're asking. Or like if you meet somebody who's like not on Facebook and you're like, all right. Because statistically, like seven out of nine people are on Facebook worldwide, so, yeah, you're kind of in the minority if you're not. Your life's probably better if you're not, I'm going to be honest with you. Whole side thing. You understand what I'm saying, though. From a cultural standpoint, this was weird. This was weird for them to not be, because these were, these were Jewish people. Jesus is a rabbi, and they're like, why? What's going on? The point here, though, is we need to look at Jesus, and we need to look at his response, which is interesting and it's going to be doubly interesting, I think, to us, especially because we're not Jewish in the Jewish culture right now. So I want you to look at his response. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? Okay. As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a patch on an unshrunk 
cloth on the old garment. Otherwise, the new patch pulls away from the old cloth and, the worse, and, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost as well as the skins. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. Clearly. Like that, that's exactly how I would answer. Okay, a couple of things. Cultural context, big deal here. It's not, it's not always throughout Scripture as big of a deal as it is in this, in this particular moment to understand what he's saying. Because the people he was talking to, they got exactly what he meant. They knew what he meant by this. First of all, he doesn't deny that they're right. He's like, yeah, we're not fasting. He doesn't, like, argue that. Um, but Jesus responds with some analogies that were really relevant at the time. So he says the wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? See, in the Jewish culture, the wedding celebration, this was the celebration of a lifetime, and it was a full week. It wasn't just go to a reception for an hour and a half and go home, right? This was a week-long party. You get married, and you got a week-long party that's happening. The bridegroom, they wouldn't leave and go off on their honeymoon yet. No, they hung out for a week and had a full week-long banquet. Now, think about this. You're having a week-long banquet, and two of the days of the week require you to fast. Oh, man. What, what are we doing then? Because a, a wedding is, is certainly something that honors God. So what do we do? Right? So here's, here's what happened. The rabbis made an official ruling that all those in attendance, as well as the bridegroom, they were relieved of all their religious observances so that they could go enjoy their time. And Jesus knew that, of course. And so Jesus is saying, though, listen, the event of a lifetime is here right now. I'm here now. I'm here right now. And so we should have joy. And joy that's not just one week, but joy for a lifetime. Joy for a lifetime. Jesus was the life of the party. Did you ever think about it that way? Because he was, and he is. He would walk in, he was the life of the party when he was there. And he was like, I'm here now. Following Jesus is a life of continual joy, not just a week, not just a Sunday. But we make it that way. It shouldn't be just for these, this hour or so that we get together, which is awesome, and I love it. And I'm grateful that we can get together this way. But if this is it, you're missing out on so much of what Jesus has to offer. And so it's important to note, though, that, of course, the fasting and the mourning and, and, and all of those things, those returned as Jesus ascended because as we still fast and pray now, waiting for Jesus' physical return, we also know we have the Holy Spirit with us here, here and now. And so life with Jesus, it's a lifetime of joy. And then Jesus goes on to compare following him to patching up clothes and storing new wine, which is exactly what I would say, too. Okay, no, the... <laughs> Again, cultural, cultural relevant analogies here at the time because the point is this. Neither one works with the old. Neither one of these works with the old, at least not for very long. And that's why the critics' voices were so loud in this moment and in this time. And that's why the internal critic for you and for me is so loud. See, we want to stay in our comfort zone. We want to stay in the this is how we've always done it. We like it there. It's comfy why it's a comfort zone 
We just want the old and comfortable to get patched up so things can go back to the way that they were at least enough. Because I don't, I, I, I kind of liked where I was, even though I know I probably shouldn't have completely been in that spot. But see, we're never going to be able to grow if that is our perspective. If our perspective is just, what do I got to do to patch up some things so that I can still feel and be in my comfort zone? You've got life with Jesus completely mixed up. Because Jesus came to introduce something new, not to patch up something old. He came to bring something new, not patch up something old. You can't fit his new life into the old forms. Jesus traded fasting for feasting. He turned graves into gardens. He turned mourning to dancing. Bum, bum, bum. Right? We all did that. It wasn't just me. All of those things that we sang about. That doesn't happen if we don't say out with the old. That is what salvation is all about. And in doing this, Jesus doesn't destroy the old necessarily, the old law. What he does is fulfills it. Like an acorn that is fulfilled when it, when it grows and it's planted in the ground and becomes an oak tree. You would have never imagined that something that huge, that strong, would come from something that small. But that's what Jesus offers. See, a patch on old clothes, it works for a short time, but you know what we all know the best thing to do is? Get a new pair of pants. Because the patch only holds for so long. And the patch is exactly that. It's a patch. Jesus didn't come to just patch. He came to bring something completely new, to throw out the old and replace it with the new that Jesus offers. And then he talks about wineskins. Now, to understand this for a second, today wine, it, it comes in glass bottles, it comes in cardboard boxes and all of that. It's pressurized, it's sealed and, and stuff. And back in the day, they, didn't, they weren't able to like pressurize in the same way in which we could. And so it came in bags of leather. And so these leather bags, new wine, when it was just made, it's still fermenting. And so you put it into a leather bag that has room to expand and has room to grow. And then after a while, that bag gets kind of old and hard and crusty because it's, you know, leather. And, and if you continue to put new wine in it, at some point it's going to get really hard and it's just going to explode because the pressure that's going to be in there is just going to explode and ruin everything. And so you're going to lose all of it. And so the new wine that's put in the new wineskin because it's more pliable. And Jesus is saying here, what you're seeing in these new followers of mine, because they were, his disciples, they were new followers. They were still trying to figure some stuff out. And Jesus was still teaching them some stuff. And the idea of fasting just to fast because it was a thing to do because it's what we're supposed to do, he didn't want to teach them that. That's not something that they need to learn. That like, yes, these empty religious traditions that don't really mean anything, why are you doing this? If you're doing that just, if, if you're not eating just to not eat, it's a diet. It's not a fast. If you're doing it just to, just to check a mark on a box or whatever, that, that's not the point of this. He's saying these are new creations. This is new wine. And so to have the flexibility to accept these followers of mine and their unorthodox pro, you know, practices as they are maturing, and guess what? He came to do the same thing in your life and in mine. And in our day and age, habits can so quickly become traditions, and traditions become pillars of faith. But Jesus was never that was never his intent with his people. That was never his intent with his church. 
See, your old life will not fit in a Jesus-centered life. It won't. And, if, and maybe, I hope, you're realizing that could be the problem that you really need to face going into 2024 is that you've been trying to fit your old life and it won't work fitting it into a Jesus-centered life. See, this is a reason to celebrate. This shouldn't be a reason to, to be like, oh, this is a reason to celebrate, right? Aspects of your lifestyle before Jesus, there are certain aspects of your lifestyle and mine before Jesus that need to be left there. That's all there is to it. They won't fit in a Jesus-centered lifestyle, and there's aspects of the Holy Spirit that, that come into your life that make those things clear. There's, there's times where the Holy Spirit comes in and makes those things clear, and you can either tell it to shut up, you can tell the Holy Spirit, tell him to shut up, or you can actually listen to him when he speaks to you. Or you can just keep trying to fit the old, the old in with the new, and it's not gonna work. Jesus isn't added to your old life. The old life dies. The old life is, is dead, and he becomes our new life. Jesus is explaining that he didn't just come to repair or to reform the old institutions of Judaism, but to actually institute a new covenant altogether that was for everyone, because that was a big pushback from a lot of people as well, because this was for everyone. Wait, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean everyone? By everyone, he meant everyone, and that includes you and me. There was no exclusivity anymore other than the exclusivity of Jesus because he is exclusively inclusive. And so it goes beyond just improving the old. It replaces and goes beyond it. So what are you trying to continue to carry while at the same time expecting God to make you new and holy? Ask yourself that question. What are you trying to continue to carry and expecting God to make you new and holy even with that, that thing, whatever that might be? You know, you can't fill your body with junk food and expect to look like a CrossFit champ in 45 days. You're like, but Jay, I added some sit-ups to my routine. I sit up out of bed, and then I lay back down, and that's one, right? I, I watch all kind of CrossFit reels, big time, right? And I share them. Boom, look out guess what? Still not going to happen. That's great. And we're all glad that you're sharing pictures of that. But if you haven't made a complete lifestyle change, listen, there is no secret. There is no secret diet or routine to losing weight. Anybody will tell you that, that knows anything about anything. It is, it is watching what you eat and exercising. It, spoiler alert, right? Like there it is. That's the whole thing. You learned that at church today. That's not my connection point. <laughs> but, it, but it really does go along with it, right? Because we think if we just do a couple of little things, I, I, I did 25 push-ups today, so I'm gonna be ripped. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, but that's what we think. And then we do that with our spiritual life too. And that's what we think. And we think that, that just one little thing or one little change is, no, it's a complete lifestyle change. You can't just do a couple of little things. 
You can't beat an addiction by continuing to feed it. An alcoholic doesn't go hang out at a bar. And if you do, that's probably not going well. You need to starve it. See, Jesus isn't added to your old life. He replaces it. Let me show you something. Here's what we do. We take a bottle of water like this. I love these little squeezy things. Anybody else? They're great. So we take these squeezy things, and you take one bland, boring bottle of water, and you do one squirt. That's all I'm doing. One squirt in there. Guess what? I got Gatorade. Anybody believe me that I just made Gatorade? No. Now, does it taste better than water? Debatable. But it certainly doesn't taste like it used to because I put one little squeezy in. Yum. It's good, right? Everything's different now. It's all changed because I put one little squeezy in. Woo! Look at me. I'm going to be healthy now. I'm going to be ripped next week. Here's the deal. This might look like Gatorade, but it's not Gatorade. You know how to make it Gatorade? You buy Gatorade. <laughs> this is Gatorade. This is all new. This is brand new. But what we do is we think that if we just go one little squirt of Jesus, now we've got Gatorade. But we don't, and, and we end up going, oh, but I really like this this was comfy and it was cheaper and it was a lot less work than going to the store because I already had a bottle of water and I had to squeeze it and it lasts for a while and it's kind of a comfort zone it tastes kind of like Gatorade but it's not Gatorade it's not Gatorade if I just squeeze a little bit of Jesus into my life then everything's gonna gonna taste different for a bit but this is still water this is still just water Jesus doesn't just change it, he replaces it. He doesn't just change it, he replaces it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. You cannot bring the old containers that you tried to fit everything in and expect it to work. I can't pour this in here. There's no room. Just like I can't pour this in here. There's no room. Jesus wants more for you than that. And that's what too many of us, too many of us are doing. He wants to replace all of that with something brand new. That old you, that person is gone. If you're a follower of Jesus, listen to me. That old person is gone. Stop picking them back up. They're gone. And that should give you joy, but you keep picking it up. And we all do. It's a daily choice to decide which one I'm going to pick up. That old person got you in trouble. That old person was more selfish and didn't have the Holy Spirit of God guiding their life. That old guy wasn't held to any kind of moral standard. And now that I'm a follower of Jesus, I am held to a moral standard. 
But this new person that Jesus has put in place is a container for the Holy Spirit of God that can and will be used for his kingdom. And that lasts forever and ever and ever. And that is a reason to celebrate and a reason to chuck this bottle and not pick up the old person anymore. It's so hard though, isn't it? It's so tough. See, the Lord raises up new wineskins in every generation, new vessels to hold the new work of the Spirit of God, and it doesn't always look the same, but it's always a container for Jesus. It's always a container for his Holy Spirit. And so we need to be full of joy about that. Let's let the Holy Spirit of God push you toward his best for you, not the world's best for you. This is the world's best for you. This is the quick, easy fix. That's the world's best for you. He wants to replace that with something brand new. And it probably means being honest with yourself in a way that you maybe haven't been before. Being honest with yourself, being honest with the Lord, dropping the old every day because it is an everyday battle. Taking up your cross and following Jesus is an everyday battle. You're not gonna walk out of here today and everything's gonna be hunky-dory if you don't make the choice tomorrow what you're gonna pick up when you wake up. There isn't room for the new you and the old you to coexist. So you gotta, you gotta decide which one. See, when we receive new life in Christ, as we let go of our old prideful behaviors, our old self-centered comforts and our sin, we need to ask ourselves an honest question. And that's the connection point that I wanna actually wrap up with today, is it's a question. What needs to go out with the old? so that Jesus has room for the new because he wants to do something new in your life in 2024. He wants to do something new in your life every single day. But too often we pick this guy back up, which doesn't, doesn't usually leave much room for the new of Jesus. What needs to go out or to be put down so that the newness of Jesus has room to grow in you? If you're wondering why maybe your relationship with God is feeling far from him or you haven't, it just hasn't been there, could it be that you're doing a little too much this? You're just squeezing some Jesus in whenever, whenever it works as opposed to just the replacement that is so much better, all around so much better for you. Each new year brings an opportunity for a fresh start. And every day, Jesus gives us an opportunity for a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning, and I thank God for that. We have a chance every day to let go of the old and welcome in the new. And you're gonna have days that, that are worse than others, for sure. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you that I do a great job of this every single day. I don't. I still need Jesus every day and I need to make that choice every day. And some days, I don't make a great choice. But praise God, he still loves me anyway. Praise God that his grace is still there. Praise God that his mercy is still there. And as I said, they're new every single morning. Will you bow your head with me? I really hope that we all take this chance here for the next couple of minutes to ask ourselves this question, what needs to go out with the old so that Jesus has room for the new? What is that in your life? 
could be a relationship. It could be a, a friendship. It could be, could be an addiction. It could be a habit that you've got. It could be something that, that you know is holding you back. It could be a secret sin that's only you. That's only you and God know about that, but you just keep picking it back up. Why not instead of trying to add something new to your year, you ask God what needs to go away? What needs to go out with the old? And of all the changes that we can make this year, the most important one is becoming a new creation through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't become a new creation, maybe today is your day. Maybe 2024 is your year. We try to make it so complicated, but it's not. It's simply repenting of our sin and turning to Jesus who's standing there with his arms wide open. You might feel like you've taken a thousand steps from him, but it only takes one to turn back to him because he's standing right there and he loves you so much right where you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay there. If you don't have a relationship with him, maybe that old life from 2023 needs to go away so that this new life in Jesus has room to grow in 2024. Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that you say the hard things to us, but Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to give us mercy and grace every day that your mercies are new, that there's nothing we can do to make you love us more and there's nothing we can do to make you love us less. And Lord, if there's one here, one watching online that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that relationship with you, Lord, that you, you haven't turned them into a new creation, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move so powerfully today, that they would be willing to come and talk to someone, whether it's someone next to them or come see us at the orange wall or to come forward and find me after the service. Um, or to find somebody in a yellow lanyard, Father, I pray that, that your spirit would move in them. That they would say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Father, forgive me. Come into my life and save me. God, you make it that simple and we make it so hard. Lord, help us to put our pride down. Help us to put those things down that are keeping us between what our relationship with you really could be and should be. We love you, in Jesus' name.